This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Well, good morning. How is everybody this morning? Good. Well, uh, it's uh, great to have you here this morning. Uh, So excited to be with you. Before we go uh, too far this morning, I wanted to make sure we took a moment and celebrated just a couple of things this morning together. Number one was uh, last week. So many of you stuck around afterwards. You had some chili and you bought some really expensive desserts. You paid way too much for them. And uh, that enabled us uh, to raise some money. We raised $1,200 towards our, uh, uh, yeah, exactly, uh, towards our kitchen renovation. Uh, we're really, really thankful for that. Uh, that's super helpful as we kind of try and wrap up just the last of uh, what the damage from the flood. And uh, so we're thrilled about that extra, uh, those extra dollars. And uh, uh, please uh, thank you, want to say thank you to you. Also, yesterday uh, we had uh, the Pumpkin Fest, and many of you you in here volunteered, uh, you tied balloons, you tied balloons, and then the balloons escaped out into the air, and uh, we gave away uh, probably 800, 900 balloons yesterday, and it was great to see kids smiling, uh, just to engage our community, to uh, say, hey, we are here, Uh, we uh, wanted to express God's love to you just in some simple ways, and so it was great to have so many of you there with your smiling faces, and thank you to all of you who helped with that. Um, With all of that shared, let me just share a couple of other things. Um, We want to make sure that you, if you have not already, uh, fill out your Connect card. You can reach into the seat back in front of you. Uh, and grab one of those. The Connect card is a great way for you uh, to let us know that you're here. Uh, uh, there are, it's more than that though. You can also share prayer requests, decisions you've made. Maybe you're interested in volunteering for something. Uh, you can write that down on your Connect card. So many wonderful things uh, you can do with a Connect card. You can drop it uh, after you're done filling it out, drop it in the offering bags. Um, as they go by at the end of our time together. So please just take a moment this morning to fill one of those out. It's our desire to have one of those from every family here. With that shared, let me pray for us and then we'll jump in. Lord God, we've had just some wonderful times of worship already. And God, I pray that as uh, we sang those songs, we felt your presence in this place as I did. We felt your presence in our hearts. And God, we just ask that even now you begin to open our minds to your word, to what you want to say to us. For the next 20 or 30 minutes, God, just uh, push away all those agenda items, all those things that we're thinking about we got to do today and tomorrow and next week, Lord, and help us just to focus on you. Focus on you and what you are saying to us and what we can do about it this week. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we are in week number two of a brand new series here called Silence. And you know what silence is? 
Silence is that long pause. That long pause uh, when you expect somebody to say something and then nothing. Sometimes a, a long pause, some silence comes naturally in a conversation. You're talking and kind of there's a lull and there's some silence. Sometimes silence comes when you have a question and you think the answer is easy and simple. And the person you're talking to, they don't give it to you. Uh, they don't repeat the answer back to you as quickly as you expect. And sometimes we even experience silence in our relationship with God. Times where we expect him to, to say something, to speak to us, and we don't hear it. Does that happen to you? It certainly happened to me. Maybe you've wondered where God is in some particular moment. Perhaps you have found yourself wondering, why doesn't God give me some more specific direction right here, right now? In short, sometimes we wonder, we wonder, why doesn't God speak to us more like he does in the Bible? Allow me this morning to give us part of the answer right here, right here in the beginning. Part of the problem, and a big part of the problem, is we are not patient people. We are not patient people. When the answer doesn't come right when we want it, we think the answer isn't coming. We live in an instant society when we are hungry, we want our food hot, and we want it now. When we got a question, we go to uh, Google, and we uh, type in our question, and within seconds, we have thousands of answers. Right now, in your pocket, in your purse, it's a little device where you could send a message all the way across the country, a distance that would take you days of nonstop driving to accomplish. And if it took the message more than 10 seconds to get there, you'd be saying, what is wrong with my phone? We live in this instant society. And then... We take those same, that same lens, that same timetable, and we apply it to God. We look at the Bible, and we think, that's how everything is happening. We read these incredible ways that God moves, that he answers prayers. I want to take a moment this morning and look at some of the timetables of those. Just a couple of stories this morning, the story of Joseph. We're not going to go into it, but just the highlights, right? Uh, Joseph, remember, he, he uh, feels this, that God is going to kind of do some big things in his life. He has some dreams. His brothers get jealous. They throw him into a pit. Uh, he becomes a slave. He's jailed. Eventually, though, right, after this up and down journey, he becomes CEO of Egypt, more or less. He's in charge of the land. The only one above him is the Pharaoh, you know how long that journey takes? 13 years. 13 years he waited for some answers. 
to prayers. Abraham, uh, uh, the father Abraham, the father uh, of Israel, he's taken outside of his tent in the middle of the night, and the stars are in the sky, and and God tells him that he is going to have as many children as there are stars in the sky, and he's in his old age, and he wants nothing more than just to have one. But it's 25 years before Isaac is born. Israel, God's people, after kind of some story has happened, after there's been some development, um, they are captured by the Egyptians. They're enslaved there. God does miracle after miracle after miracle. And finally, the Israelites, they're allowed to leave Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. They wander for 40 years. David, the greatest king in the Old Testament, the man that is after God's own heart, the Bible describes him as. From the point he was anointed king to he actually becomes king, 15 years. Isaiah the prophet talks about the coming Messiah, Jesus, 500 years before Jesus comes. And what happens in just a couple of chapters in the Bible, what happens in just a few pages of the Bible can take decades, years of waiting. In those decades, in those years, you know what there is? It's lots of time to wonder, did I hear you right, God? Did did I get that picture right? God, why why are you not speaking right now? Where are you? There's lots of time to feel abandoned, alone. Lots of time to sit in God's silence. In the Bible, the place where we see people wrestling with this silence more than anywhere else is the Psalms. And we've been kind of talking about some of these. Last week, we talked about Psalm 42, and uh, Psalm 42 describes uh, this deeply discouraged uh, feeling of being separated from God. It kind of describes the, the distance. And the bottom line from week one from last week was we can make it through seasons of God's silence by reminding ourselves, by reminding ourselves who God is and who God will continue to be, who God is and who he will continue to be. This week, this week we're going to be in Psalms twenty. Psalms 22. And this is a psalm of David, like we talked about last week. Uh, Psalms are written by different people. This one is attributed to David, and uh, it's in this time of extreme anxiety and pressure in David's life. Uh, In fact, the way it gets described, it's it's led many um, to speculate that maybe this was written by David when he was being uh, chased by Saul. Maybe it was written later in David's life when his son Absalom turns on him. We don't know, but it's this period of great stress in David's life. 
One of the things that happens in Psalm 22 is there's no immediate answer. No immediate help given. One of the things we learn, we're going to kind of break uh, the first 18 verses or so of Psalm 22 into three different parts. The first part we're going to talk about here this morning is the first eight verses, one through eight. And one of the things we learn here is we learn not to fear telling God precisely how we feel. Precisely how we feel. Let's hear how David describes his emotions in this first part of Psalms this morning. Again, Psalms 22, verses 1 through 8. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, our ancestors. They trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted you and were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me, they they mock me, they sneer, and they shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. David doesn't pull any punches in how he feels here. He just lays it all out there. And we shouldn't pull punches either. We talked about this last week. But it's this theme in in the Psalms, and it's this lesson. We have a hard time learning sometimes that God is big enough. God is big enough to handle what is really happening in our hearts, in our minds, to hear what is going on in us, from us. We don't need to pretend or to cover things up for Him. We need to cover up our sadness, our disappointment, even our frustration with silence. As you notice, David does what we so often do in verses 4 and 5 today. He he points to times when God moves so decisively, when he speaks so clearly, and he says, why aren't you doing that now? So David, this first section, he, he doesn't pull any punches. We learn to tell God precisely how we feel. Second part of Psalm 22 I want to kind of walk through together is the next part, verses 9 through 11. David doesn't stop there with his frustration. In fact, he confesses his trust in the Lord in this next section. Something we need to learn to do. To confess our trust in in the Lord, uh, not just when times are going well, but when things are hard, when the answers 
Don't come easy. That's what David does here in 9 through 11. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb, he says, and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stray so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. One of the quotes that I've kind of picked up in the last couple of years and tried to carry with me because it's a lesson I'm still learning. It's one I've talked to you about before. Sometimes we see God best when we've been knocked to our backs. Sometimes we see God best when we've been knocked down, we've been knocked to our backs. Psalm 22, this series, is a reminder that it's not fun to be knocked down. But it's also this time where we can trust. It's also this time when we can come to eventually see who God is more clearly. we look closely at these verses, what we see happening here is a really important lesson. We see David taking his eyes off of his current struggle, his current hardship, and placing them on God. He says, for a moment, I'm going to take my eyes off of what I'm so focused on, so fixated on, and I'm going to put my trust, my eyes on you, God. Often, we need to do that, to learn that lesson. And then in verse 11 is perhaps one of the clearest descriptions of trust that we have. When David says to God, trouble is near, hard times are coming, I'm in the midst of it, and nobody else can help. Nobody else can help but you. I'm trusting you. So David, in kind of the next part of Psalms, after he he tells God uh, all that he's feeling, the emotions that are welling inside, the distance he feels, the silence and the frustration of that, he declares his trust. And then this third part of Psalm 22 is what Psalms 22 is really famous for. It's quite remarkable. In this next part, David, a thousand years before Jesus' crucifixion, begins to tell of Jesus' suffering. Learning that he was not alone, that we are not alone in our suffering. First uh, place that we kind of see this parallel between Jesus' crucifixion and uh, David's words here is all the way back in verse 1 where David cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The same words Jesus used on the cross. And then the parallel continues, especially in verses 12 through 18. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in like lions. They have opened their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is 
poured out like water, and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count my bones. My enemies, they stare and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves, and they throw dice for my clothing. A thousand years before Jesus was on the cross, David begins to capture the brutality of the crucifixion. Comparing his enemies to wild animals, devouring their prey, encircling him. And he gets even more descriptive in 16 through 18, where David gets, he talks about his hands and his feet being pierced just like Jesus on the cross. In verse 18, they divide his garments just like the soldiers did with Jesus' clothing. They rolled dice for them. In these passages, in these passages that are foretelling of Jesus' suffering, we learn several things. We learn several things. Number one is we are not alone in our suffering. We're not alone in it. Jesus himself suffered, not for himself, not because of some decision he made, not because of some mistake, but for us. The author of Hebrews picks this up in Hebrews 2.18, where he says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Us. He understands The second lesson we learn from this parallel is even when we sit in the frustration of God's silence, we are to remember Jesus' incredible love demonstrated for us. In Romans 5.8 says this so perfectly, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then finally, finally, even in Jesus' suffering on the cross, a time when he endured the pain of feeling abandoned, he modeled for us how to respond in times of despair, times of silence. Hebrews 5.8, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Today, as we kind of have explored Psalm 22, as we have been talking about God's silence, as we have seen uh, these different ways that God uh, 
of God's timetable working different than ours, one of the lessons I hope that is beginning to seek in for you and for me. One of those lessons is that when we are going through a season of silence, that it's precisely that, a season. It doesn't last forever. Just because we're in this particular moment and things are unfolding the way we had hoped for, the way we had planned, it doesn't mean that God has left us, abandoned us. It doesn't mean that God no longer loves us. In fact, Jesus on the cross models for us how to endure, how to go through times just like these. So we think think about some things that we can do this week to change our hearts, our lives. What I'd like us to think about is how we can be more patient. How we can be more patient. I have three thoughts that I hope you will find helpful this week. Being patient. Being patient even in times of silence. First is this. Learning to trust while we're waiting. Trust while waiting. When we're waiting, when we're being patient, we tend to place our trust on the thing we're waiting on. We wrongly assume sometimes that the, that new job opportunity, that, that person, that they'll bring us happiness, they'll be a source of value for us because that's what we're waiting on. But here's some words to live by, especially in times of silence. As believers, as believers, who we put our trust in is far more important than what we are hoping for. As believers, who we put our trust in, God is far more important than whatever we are waiting for, whatever we are hoping to see. Second thought to help us focus on being patient is to find joy while we're waiting. Waiting has this way of stealing away our joy capturing it from us. But it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. That doesn't mean that we don't get sad. It doesn't mean that we don't feel. It means as we wait, we can still find pleasure in God's abundance, His multitude of blessings for us throughout the day. So this morning, if you're in a period of silence, if you're waiting and you feel like your joy is being taken from you, it's kind of slowly being stolen away, here's my challenge for you. 
Can you find two ways? Two ways this week where God just brings you even just a moment of happiness, of pleasure, and can you just relish in that moment? Can you just look at those moments like gifts from a father who hasn't given up on you, who still loves you, who is there for you? Number three this morning as we think about being more patient is to move while we're waiting. Move while we're waiting. Uh, Where there's a great misconception sometimes that when we wait, we are idle. We don't do anything else. But waiting doesn't have to mean staying put. Hebrews 4.12, I love how it describes the Word of God. It says it is alive and active. Alive and inactive. And sometimes we need to remember that when the world around us seems to screech to a halt, God has not. He's still moving. He's still working. He's still alive and active. His mission of redemption, of love, hasn't gone away. His desire to build you up, to to, uh, bring you more into fulfillment of who he dreams for you to be, has not disappeared. God is always moving, always calling us forward. God moves in so many ways. We have to be open to them all. Not merely focused on the one we are fixated on in the moment. Which of these this week? Which of these this week can you work on in the area of patience? Do you need to focus more on who you are trusting than what you're hoping for? You have those things flipped around? Or perhaps maybe in this season of waiting, joy has been robbed from you. Can you find those two things? Can you find those two things that bring you happiness Enjoy, even if it's just for a brief moment, bring a smile to your face and look at them as gifts from God, handed from Him directly to you. Has a period of silence, a period of waiting, brought everything to a stop? Can you find some ways this morning God is calling you forward? He's calling your faith forward. Can we pray about those things this morning? Lord, as we read in the Psalms, as people throughout history have wrestled with times of silence, they are not easy. So this morning, God, what I want to do, especially here in this moment, is if people are in one of those periods, I want to take a moment and pray for them. I want to take a moment and pray for them because that's what they need. Sometimes in a moment of silence, in a period of silence, we feel so alone and isolated, so separated, it's hard for us even to know how to pray. 
And so, God, I don't know what people are waiting for this morning. But what I do know is who they're trusting in is far more important, far more important than what they're hoping for. God, as we read Psalm 22, and we discovered, like David, that we're not alone in our suffering. We see how David suffered. We see how Jesus suffered on the cross. We know we're not alone. God, help us to find reassurance in that. God, help us to know and experience you walking through even these difficulties in these quiet times with a sense that you're there. And God, as we think about our timetable, our timetable is so hyper-focused on what's happening in our life, and your timetable is so different from ours. God, help us to be patient grow that in our hearts and our lives, especially, Lord, this morning, if we're going through a period of silence. But God, even if we're not, help us to find some of those things in which we can work on patience in our heart, in our life, God, because we know that at some point we will face a period of silence and difficulty, and one of the things we're going to need in that moment is patience you can grow in us. wonderful and holy name we pray. Amen and amen.